Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, uh. brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bruning. You can find me on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. I'm joined today by all three of my co-hosts for the Thursday shows, Mr. Dennis Bennett, who you can follow at Culture underscore Coach, Mr. Matthew Fox, who you can follow at Nighthawk7734, and then Mr. Tony Dyer is back with us. You can follow him at CommissionerMR. We are excited to be a part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. You can find us some podcast on music, movies, pop culture, and as, as I just mentioned, fantasy, football, us and the Debbie Delight, all on musiccitydriving.com's great website. It's got a ton of great podcast on there. We, we'd love for you guys to swing by and check it out. While you're over there, you can jump on uh, the link to join our Discord channel as well. A bunch of people in there now. You got five, uh, what we, we'd like to call ourselves analysts at least, in there trying to help you guys as much as possible with your drafts, trades, anything you want when it comes to fantasy football, and just joking around in general. It's been a lot of fun so far. We'd love to have you guys in there if you're listening to this. Uh, you know, You can hit us any of us up on Twitter. Or you can hit up the website, musiccitydriving.com. There's a link for it there as well. Jump in the Discord. Have a lot of fun with us. It's been a great time so far. For today's episode, we're a week away from fantasy. Fantasy, my God, guys. We're a week away from the season starting. We obviously can't wait for it. And and the biggest kind of growing formats here, Dynasty, Superflex, Campus to Canton, we're going to kind of go in and talk about those strategies today. Uh, me, Dennis, Matt, and Tony, as I mentioned all here, we're going to give you guys kind of our thoughts, how we attack our teams, and just kind of our general thoughts on those formats in general. <laughs> And we are live on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. It is Thursday, a week away from the NFL season. This time next week, we will be breaking down, or I guess previewing, the Chiefs and Texans, which I cannot wait for. We've got Tony back with us if you guys are watching this live. And, of course, Matt and Dennis are here as well. How are we all doing today, gentlemen? (laughs) Hey, guys. I'm doing doing great. Glad to be back. Rocking a little IDP Army, a little Jordan Reigns there. We're doing doing a, a draft right now for the IDP one two three nerds league, and uh, I've shit the bed on the last four rounds. <laughs> I, I'm, I accidentally drafted Jerome Baker instead of Zach oh, Cunningham, no. which I, I'm high on Baker, but I wanted Cunningham, and I was like, "Nah, I'll just wait." I, I'm I'm close. I'm I'm coming out of the three hole, so I'm like, "I'll just get him on the way around." And fucking Jordan takes him. And then I was like, oh, I'll just take uh, – I'm going to grab Swift as my RB3 then because we're in like round 
12 or something at that point. I'm going to grab Swift as my RB3, and then I drafted Justin Simmons at safety instead. It was my first defensive back. And I'm like, oh. And then I was thinking, well, I want Max Crosby, so hopefully he's he went at the turn, the next turn before it got back to me. So finally I'm like, you know what? I'm just taking Chase Young. I don't have him anywhere. I want to get a piece of him. We need to start defensive ends, defensive linemen. I'm taking Chase Young. Probably took him like three rounds too early, but – Hopefully I shake that. Hopefully I'm shaking that juju. There's nothing wrong with going to get your guy, man. Especially when you've been burned a couple times. Sometimes you just gotta go get get something to feel good. Go win one. Also, let me tell you, Justin Simmons, good pick. The uh, yeah, Broncos are tracking to only have three safeties on their roster. So (laughs) Justin Simmons is never coming off the field. Yeah. All right, so we've got a little bit of NFL news that's happened over the past couple days. Actually, I'll save the big one for last because uh, we'll spend more time talking about that. We'll start with the QBs because three guys have been named their starters. Uh, not, I don't think, a big deal for any of them. Uh, but Tyrod Taylor is a starter in Los Angeles. Dwayne Haskins, the starter in Washington. And Cam Newton has been announced a starter in New England. I don't think any of those were really unexpected. Uh, does this change anything for you guys, fantasy wise, good or bad, with those three? Nothing changes here. I mean, I think we, for the most part, like you said, I expected Cam Newton. That's the one that I think, especially around the office, there's some Patriots fans there, and a lot of them thought Jared Stenham was the guy. And I, guys, <laughs> Cam Newton is in town. Well, the same now. guys that thought Ronald Jones was the guy. Hey, not the same guys. That was me. I was the second guy. And Fox, to be fair, up there. I, I blame I blame the other Matt for that. What? Rojo is going to be a stud on another team. Still believe it. Well, still you know, still Calgary, Sam Tetra. Peters. As far as the quarterback. It's Peters. a team. It's the a Ottawa team, Ruff and they'll be a stud. With the quarterbacks you were asking about, though, I, Tyrod Taylor, I think we expected that. And I think at some point in the season, we expect to see Herbert show up. Um, Five games in. Five games in. I don't know. Have you, wa- have you been watching Hard Knocks? I haven't actually seen any Hard Knocks. Her- Herbert did not look good, and the comments now. that were made about his Whatever. lack of understanding of the oh, offense. Really? Well, he has always we're, been in a shotgun um, offense. Yeah. It's striking, you know, when you catch like things like, "Yeah, I'm just just hoping yeah. I don't get yelled at." One of those teams inquiring about Rosen. Oh, no. oh, I don't yeah. think it's that far, but I, I think it might be a little deeper in the season than you wanted to believe. And it, it should right. be because of the lack of getting actual game reps. I still I still believe in my take that once he starts, from the day he starts to the last game of the season, he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. Wait, no, I said 15. I don't want to stretch it. Top 15 quarterback for fantasy. Once he starts. Whenever the Dwayne starts. Haskins start is interesting to me because I want Alex Smith to play. Like, I want Alex Smith to start a football game. Uh, I, this is a situation where I, I, I really honestly believe that if Alex Smith takes one snap of football this year, he'll be the NFL's comeback player of the year. It just is going to take one snap, and he doesn't even have to do anything. He can hand the ball off, and he'll be the comeback player of the year. I, I hope – I guess I don't know, though. I don't want to get too lost in what I hope and what I think will actually happen. I, I don't like Dwayne Haskins. We talked about this before. I ranked him 32 of 32 teams. I don't stud. like him. I, maybe it was just that one time I got got to watch him get blown Look, out. We're not I, talking about his prowess outside of football. We're talking about him on the field. No, he's a stud on the football field too. Again, I've referenced this when we talked about him per PFF. 
the last eight games of the season, he was one of the top 10 quarterbacks based on their metrics and everything. I don't, I don't believe in the who he advanced stat stuff. I'm more of a film guy, but he still looked good on film. Again, he, when you're playing for a coach who doesn't believe in you, who, who practically says, I wish we didn't draft you. I think it would kind of hard to come out there and be like, let's sling the ball over the old ball field. Like it's, you know, yeah. it's, I, Ron Rivera's already come out and said that he believes in him. I think Hassens is going to step up and do hey, great things this year. I am not a homer. That is a great take. Take homer. that back, Phil. You're not a homer. Uh, it's a homer. I, well, whatever. <laughs> I thought that was Sean. No, it yeah, is Sean that's McVay. a good one. It's still Sean, Sean McVay. McVay. It does it kind is. of look like Sean McVay, actually. That's a good call. That's a really Thanks. good call. I appreciate that. I do really yeah. appreciate that. He's a handsome dude. I'll well, he's that. a handsome guy. Because yeah. you know who else I always get, and it drives me crazy now? Ever since I think the beard came in really nice, I didn't. I used to get Ed Sheeran a lot, and that shit drove me crazy. Because oh, yeah. I do not like yeah. Ed Sheeran. It's Ed Sheeran about the beard. The beard yeah, like I, I went to a party one time and everyone's like, holy shit, you really – I'm like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. Like I don't want to <laughs> look like that guy. So I'll take Sean McVay. I like it. I like it. Sean McVay, you know. And again, I know so, my wife's not going to watch this. Well, did you see his wife I, on Hard Knocks? I, my God. So just saying. I'll I, take Sean I can McVay. tell you, though, one of those guys is making good money and one of the go- what those guys is making great money. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, but Sheeran you know is what? the one – Breaking the money. Yeah, he is breaking the money. But you know what? Again, I'll take looking like Sean McVay any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Can we talk? move past the fact? I don't think any of us. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got caught up in the the Sean McVay talk. All right, so. Wait. Any chance for Matt to talk about how good looking he is? Yeah, you know, hey. You really ran with that. Yeah, you ran with that, Back to football. Go ahead. But what was surprising to me was the almost a effusive praise that Belichick offered about Cam Newton. I mean, to the point where, you know, is Newton going to be able to get his coach's lips off his backside before week one? Because Belichick usually pretty reserved. And that, I mean, it was pretty glowing. They played it again when I was driving home and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, you know, either he's made an incredible impression or. No, no, I agree with you. I don't know. What's fascinating to me about that, it just some further cements, excuse me, <clears throat> further cements Bill Belichick as the greatest head coach in all of football, in all of history, because he knew that to get to Tom Brady, you could yell at him, you could cuss at him, you could scream at him, you could make him fear for his job to keep him, to keep him underpaid. I mean, you could do that with Tom Brady, because t- that's the kind of guy, Tom Brady's the grinder. Cam Newton's an emotional mess. And if you yell at Cam Newton the way you yell at Tom Brady, it's not, that's not going to work. Cam's going to freak out one day and just cry to everybody. I mean, for days and days and days with his hair on top of his head, wearing a bathrobe or something, he's going to say something crazy. I think Bill knows that he's got to kiss Cam's ass a little bit to get what I, I think that, Tam's, that Cam's like a top-end caliber quarterback still. I mean, outside of the injury, if he's not injured, I think he's one of the better talents in football. And Bill knows that if he's going to get that talent – he can't have him. He can't have him looking over his shoulder all the time. He's going to kiss his ass all season long. It's the weirdest thing we've ever seen. It's going to keep happening. And since everybody opted out on defense or moved to another team, they really will need their offense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you on that. I don't. He's done it before, though. I think everybody kind of overlooks how good he was to Gronk when it came to that stuff. Like if you really think about the way he handled Gronk while he was there, Gronk was able to do things on and off the football field that no other Patriot player did. And Bill Belichick was always doing the same thing, infusing him with praise. And if you look at it, like watching the practice videos and everything, look at what Cam Newton's dancing, having fun. You haven't seen that with anybody else besides 
Gronk. I, I, I think he ha- he's handling Cam the way he did Gronk, and I agree with you, Tony. I think it's a great move by him. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being an emotional mess. Some of us just are, right? So don't I'm an emotional it. mess. Yeah, I'll freak out <laughs> for no reason at all. Yeah, oh, totally. I'm an emotional mess. Oh, just wait. Yeah. When, when someone jumps in here, it's like, hey, look, it's Ed Sheeran. Shit's going to go down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think Cam Newton is is going to be, be a stud this year. I don't – I think – the Jared Stidham thing was just, it seemed like a lot of people were still boosting him up. I didn't understand that at all, but I, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. I think everybody is, I guess they were all kind of expected. I don't think anybody expected Herbert to start. I, I'm excited for when he does, but I knew it was going to be Tyrod week one. Uh, Dennis, you got anything before we move on to these running back news? Nope. You guys covered right. it pretty well. For the running backs, let's start with the one that I don't think is quite as important Damian Harris likely to miss week one with a hand injury I still think he is going to probably be the lead guy throughout the year but uh it is they are being reported or it is being reported that he's likely going to miss week one does that do anything for you guys change anything for you I don't know he uh no it's his hand and you know depending on the severity it could just it could simply be Belichick going I know I've got a healthy, healthy as healthy as he gets, Sony Michelle. I've got a healthy James White, a healthy Rex Burkhead. Do I? Why do I need to to rush this guy to play if he's got a dinged up hand? But we've seen numerous times people play with with one hand at the running back position. Just means you're not going to change change the ball from hand to hand. You take it, you put it in one hand, and you keep it there. And I don't think that. Uh, you know, I I like Damian Harris's prospects, but it's not like he's you know bursting through the line and breaking off long runs and getting swung at a lot. He's going to be a bit of a grind. I think he's a, a step up in that mode from what Sony Michelle is, just because of Michelle's knees have sapped his mobility. Uh, but I don't think the the Patriots they don't really have that super elusive back that can do it consistently from the backfield. You know, White's a uh, White's a pass catcher, and uh, Rex Burkhead, while he can do some things, he, I, I don't think people uh, uh, remember him for his elusiveness. So that's that's going to be something lacking. You're so forgetting I, I don't one put guy. You're forgetting one player that they have in their running back group. Who? I'm hoping you Lamar, say Cam Lamar Miller. Oh, Lamar Miller. Oh, he's going to get cut. Yeah. I wouldn't be so sure. Mike, Mike Rice left Miller off his uh, uh, 53-man roster. I think Miller is the kind of guy that they do cut him and they bring him back after week one. So if they have to cut him later, his contract's not guaranteed. I think with Fournette, that that surprised a lot of people that uh, nobody waited to bring him in after week one. So now his contract will be guaranteed uh, what, at whatever level it is. So uh, I, I'm not worried about Damian Harris missing week one. I, he's going to do what he does. And nobody knows from week to week what's going to happen in that backfield. So, Yeah, I'm with you. I think unless Tony Michelle goes out there and absolutely balls out, I, I, don't, see, I don't see Damian Harris at least getting a shot at that, uh, at that job. Matt, Tony, you guys have any thoughts on Harris? No, that's it. Dennis nailed it. 
All right. I guess now to the big news. We talked about it on Monday. Leonard Fournette got cut earlier in the day. He is now signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How does this affect uh, fantasy for you? We already kind of touched on the Jaguars. So, Tony, if you want to give your take on on that part of it, we we touched on that Monday, obviously, knowing he wasn't going to be back with Jacksonville. Uh, But what are your guys' thoughts on him now going to Tampa Bay and how that affects uh, really that entire backfield with the, like, 80 running backs? They're the running back uh, comparison to Chicago's tight end problem there, I think. Well, so as far as Jacksonville's concerned, that's a really confusing mess. I don't know who to pick. I mean, I've got – I don't have – I got got Raquel Armstead in a few leagues, but I don't feel great about it. I I think that's one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see – what actually happens in that in Jacksonville Jacksonville's back backfield because I don't know I mean we don't have enough time we like there hasn't been a regular offseason I I have no idea so I'm not going to pretend that I know it's very confusing to me that they cut him with Doug Marone we talked about this on huddle up today the the Doug Marone contract he's on his last year's contract so he's not in a position to tank so he has to have a plan I don't know what the plan is because yeah he's got all these draft picks but if they don't win any football games I don't see the Khan family just letting him ride and sign him another contract. I mean, that's not going to happen. I think he's gone no matter what. So, well, I, he's a good coach. I think he's a good football coach. And and with with Marone, Jacksonville has been somebody that, as a Colts fan, I at times didn't really want to deal with surprise wins. And I mean, it was just a they're they're they were at one point a very decent football team. I don't know what the implications are. That's what I'm trying to say. I have to wait and find out that. I'm not going to make a prediction there. As far as Tampa Bay goes, the signing made absolute perfect sense to me. For as confused as I was about cutting him, the signing into Tampa Bay made perfect sense. It crushed me as a Ronald Jones guy who was buying Ronald Jones everywhere. Thanks, Matt. Like, <laughs> you helped me with that, by the way. That's a huge problem now. Um, and they came out today and said, yeah, Ronald Jones is our guy. And I get that, except Ronald Jones is half the running back that Leonard Fournette is. So I, literally, I, I, I mean, yeah, literally, I, I, I think Leonard Fournette's a top five back if he's used regularly in that. I tweeted that last night. I was a little bit tipsy. It was my day, you know, today's my day off. So I drank a little bit extra, <laughs> but I meant it. And I, and I do mean it. I think that if, if he gets a, a, full workload with Tom Brady with that offense that the way that offense is set up I mean a guy like Fournette can just feast there uh, I think it makes a lot of sense I love this I love the pair I think it makes it makes perfect sense well I think it makes good sense he's the best back in Tampa but I don't think he's going to get near the volume that he did in Jacksonville where he was the only guy so Brady is gonna all, always check them into the right play um, but when you've got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski, uh, the chances are that that right play, you only have about a 25 to 30% chance of it being you. Uh, so, Will, I, I feel like Fournette went from probably having a 275-carry floor to having a 200-carry floor. My argument I do to think that, that would be. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to to end your your thing there. Go ahead. You still drunk, Tony? You still? No, drunk? I'm not you still drunk. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, it's okay I'm if you excited. are. I'm not. I'm excited. But you got me worked up here. So that that 200 because I do think that that they like that Arians likes Ronald Jones that he thinks he can <laughs> that he's more so. Life might be a strong word. Guy there. 
it, it is. I mean, he drafted Vaughn, signed McCoy, but I, I think he that Arians believes that Jones is a good player, but he's not. He's not a bell cow back. He's part of a committee. Well, Fournette can be a bell cow back, but I also think Fournette has some limitations when it comes to you know uh, uh, ex- explosiveness. You know, we saw him last season have a 66 yard game in a game where he had a 69 yard run. So he's not going to run away from people. Uh, he, he isn't going to, he's not super elusive. He can catch the ball. Okay. But he's going to have to make sure he's up to speed on his pass protection because there's a lot higher standard uh, protecting Tom Brady than there is protecting Gardner Minshew. So for me, I think, what I had to think about today when it's so they basically have five guys kind of now that, that are in the mix Jones, Fournette. We can't forget they went and signed McCoy, they drafted Vaughn, and they still have Dari Ogunbowale. To Good me, I think this means that Vaughn is a we'll see what happens next year in terms of fantasy. You know, all of us that that were hopeful, you know, back in April when it looked like it was going to be him and Ronald Jones and he might get some some chances. He didn't get a great start to camp in part because he got on the COVID list. So I think he kind of, you know, it's not going to be reliable at all. That's going to become more of a long-term stash. I actually think McCoy is going to end up getting cut now because, I mean, we're talking about a guy that basically was a healthy scratch for a playoff team last year. If you have Fournette and Jones the and these other guys, yeah, for the Super Bowl, if you have Fournette and Jones, well, yeah, for the Super Bowl with a coach who loved him and had a huge history with him, which is not the case in Tampa Bay. So I think he ends up being a casualty. Then Ogunbowale probably is still that kind of mixes in and passing down to situations a little bit like what he did last year because they were talking about using three backs before they signed Fournette. And what now is concerning to me is you could have a dreadful, you know, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones type situation with Fournette, somebody that people who've already drafted invested a hell of a lot more draft capital in him this year than anyone had drafted in Peyton Barber before. His ADP has already dropped quite significantly because I think when we were looking at it on Monday, he was like RB 13 and 15. When I looked this morning, he's RB 22 in PPR and RB 19, I think it was, in standard uh, when I was writing it. I actually don't mind him in that range because I think there's a chance you could see Fournette, you know, do well enough to get into low-end RB2 territory. But what it also did for me when we were going through and adjusting our ranks, I dropped Godwin and Evans down a little bit too because if they have more runners and more power runners, you have to think that there's a possibility they're going to run more and not throw the ball quite the same way they had to with Winston when they were behind all the time last year and couldn't run at all at times. Yeah, I agree. And and when I was going to interrupt Dennis, sorry again, Dennis, my argument, That's all was, right. my counter was going to be that you're right, that Godwin and Evans and Gronk, and don't forget about OJ Howard. I mean, they've got four supreme weapons there on that on that offense. And Tom Brady keeps talking about mm-hmm. Scott Miller because he needs a uh, small yeah, slot there receiver. There it is. To really I, when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, the first guy, I, I picked up Scotty Miller everywhere I could get him. I was like, okay, this is this is a slam dunk here 
No, but but my argument was going to be that, that you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a lot lot more really solid options there for Tom to, to, to give the ball to in the best place. But that also was going to pull those defenders back. I, I think Fournette yeah. may get fewer opportunities, but I, I think that's what D Brown FF88 is trying to say. He may get fewer touches, but each opportunity I think is going to be a little better than it used to be. I don't know. I'm not that high on Fournette. I think I've got him like 20. I just, I, I, I'm not buying into that offense. Uh, so what about Phil's question here? Some, someone cut Vaughn and McFarlane in a 12-team PPR, deep rosters, and taxi. Who are you targeting and how much fab are you spending? I'm going Vaughn. I, I had him ranked higher than McFarlane. I still believe in him regardless of who's there right now. As for fab, I guess it would depend on how much you have. I probably wouldn't go more than 15%. I mean, I, I, depending on how deep it is, maybe up to 25 just to get Vaughn. I don't know how crazy people are going to go for him if someone just dropped him, but maybe that's just me. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I'm probably more in the 10% range. I think he I think he posted it in the Dynasty Nerds chat, and I, I believe it's $100 fab, and he's got 98 left. So I probably wouldn't go more than $10 on Vaughn and maybe $5 on McFarland, maybe even $3 on McFarland because uh, I, I think uh, I, I'm not sold on McFarland, but maybe that's just personal. Uh, could be. Did he do something to you? He ran a he little did. bit of at us, just like Rondale oh, Moore did. That's why Haskins stinks. Oh, Haskins could yeah, stop him if he was playing defense. Haskins, yeah, Haskins makes great tackles. That's right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's talk about speaking so, of dynasty. But I, I don't. I'm that. Well, back to Phil's question. I think too. It depends on what your depth is uh, on your team. If you're gonna, if you're, if they're not gonna be more than a taxi squad guy, I almost feel like I'd probably go more in the five dollar, one dollar range, yeah. just because I don't have to have them. If if I've if they're gonna be my RB six, seven, eight, and they're not even going to be on my active roster. I might wait and uh, see while they're, you know, once the season gets going, go trade for them. I was you know, 5% let somebody else, both. Yeah, 5%. Yeah, let somebody else blow their fab on them, and then you go send them a, you know, a fourth or fifth, third-round pick that you think is, is going to end up being useless. All right, now on to Dynasty. So we're going to talk about some Dynasty strategies and uh, some Campus to Canton stuff today. Uh, so start off with uh, Dynasty, I think it's really kind of become a staple of fantasy football. Everybody likes to play redrafts because you really only have to commit to that team for one year. But there's a lot of people who really seem to be diving all in into Dynasty leagues. Makes it a whole lot more fun. Uh, so what is the favorite part of the Dynasty format for you guys compared to, say, redrafts or even just a keeper where you're only keeping a couple of them? What, what's the difference for you and what's your favorite part about it? No off-season. No off-season. <laughs> That's true. You know, I, people I enjoy say being that, able but... to be active all-season. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's lulls. A lot of leagues, they do have a, a trade deadline. Um, and so you end up not being able to trade like from the last week before the playoffs through, you know, January or February or something. So you've got a couple months where you can't trade. But for the most part, I like being able to be active. I like putting deals together, though I'm not one of these trade junkies that just feels like they've got to make trades. 
uh, I, I'm in a charity league and we've got one dude in there that's literally, I think he sent out a trade offer every day since we finished the draft. And he's trying to put together three-way trades and four-team trades. And and it's just like, I mean, I, I get enjoying a good trade. I had a good trade today. Uh, I got offered Chris Carson and Paris Campbell for Leonard for, and a second-round pick for Leonard Fournette and a third-round pick. And so I immediately went and looked to see if there was some news on Carson or Campbell I hadn't heard. Uh, the calculators had it fairly fair. I felt like it was a win on my side. Um, you know, it, it was a, in a league where we're in the midst of making cutdowns. And so trying to get, you know, some people were looking to do two for ones to clear roster space. I had roster space. So I, well, I think Fournette's going to have a decent year. Uh, I'm really high on Paris Campbell. You know, in the last show, I said he was going to lead the league in yak. Uh, and then to get Chris Carson, who I think I had them ranked within like three or four spots of each other in, in our uh, uh, preseason rankings. So, and then to upgrade my uh, a draft pick a whole round because he actually traded my second round pick back to me. Uh, oh, wow. I felt like that was a, a great a great deal for me. Um, and now uh, we've got somebody out there looking to move some re- wide receivers. And they need to do a two for one. So I'm I'm in the process of I've got Aaron Jones and uh, Chris Carson, who I just acquired. Those are my top two running backs, and he's looking to move a wide receiver paired with Mark Ingram. He oh, also wow. has Jordan Howard. I feel like I I feel I, I I feel like I'd rather have Jordan Howard than Mark Ingram, but I also feel like I'm I'm a pretty strong contender in this league, and I think Ingram is going to have. RB three season. And I think that's where I have Howard as well. So I'm not sure if, if uh, I I just am overly concerned with JK Dobbins, you know, Baltimore is going to have a lot of running uh, a lot of, a lot of rush attempts, but I'm thinking if I could get Cooper cup and uh, Mark Ingram, for Chris Carson or Aaron Jones and maybe, you know, a third round pick or something. I definitely think that's something I might go for. For me, the favorite part is just feeling like you, like you can build something. I mean, in redraft, you, of course, it's the same idea, but in dynasty, I mean, I've got some dynasty teams that are just really garbage and you can tell the teams that you neglect versus the teams that you water. And it's like one of those conversations where the grass is greener, where you water it. And that's just that's my favorite part of it is is stagnant owners get punished. I mean, when when owners don't pay attention, when they're I've got a guy in my home league that I'm some of them are listening to this. I'm telling you right now, I'm not. I mean, one of these guys is just not gonna be a contender for a very long time because right now he hasn't been paying attention. He's under roster limit by one player. I mean, he traded himself out of the draft for for one guy. I mean, he's just not doing the things that he needs to do to build a team and. And that's my favorite part is building something. Yeah, and I, I like the, you know, the ability to keep your, your roster and your core intact. You know, I think we all have had the experience when you're in redraft and you have this really great team and you make a push and you fall just short in the title game. Yeah. And then you have to, like, start all over again. Well, you know, when you do that in Dynasty, usually if you're really close, then you can spend a few months knowing you have that solid core of guys that you like, that was competitive, you make a few tweaks. It's, it feels more like 
what happens for real football and yeah. real GMs or things. You know, I think probably a lot of us played Madden on franchise mode, you know, before or, or during or even now while we're in fantasy. And that was one of the things I always liked about that. You build and you tweak your team and you you get it to where you love it and, and the players and everything. Uh, those are the fun parts to me about Dynasty, you know, looking at looking at it in February and March, thinking what moves do I have to make, crafting things, figuring out how to use your assets so that you can get back into that championship mold. Yeah, and I agree with Tony on the stagnant owners thing. I go through and look at my teams that I really pay attention to, and they're good. And then I look at the teams that I look yeah. at like Wednesdays to set my lineups and I'm like this is trash uh, why am I even still in this league so yeah so but that's scared, the problem yeah. you have when you get in as many leagues as I do is you start to realize it, you know what's your magic you number right now I am still I think I'm only at no I, I take that back I was in 48 I am now up to 50 I had two redrafts in the past week oh my god what so, are you, know, you redra- doing redrafts uh, well it's I'm going to be honest. The worst part about it is the leagues we're going to talk about at the end of this because those are going to take so much time. And the one in particular that I helped build this campus uh, can league, like the amount of detail that I have to pay attention to, it's going to screw me in a lot of – like I hate to say this because I know I'm in a lot of them with Dennis, but I think Flea Flicker is going away for me next year. I just – I don't I don't ever pay attention to it. I'm in too many leagues on there, and I don't I don't need to keep them. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep BQL because that's what started it for me. That's a, that's how actually me and got to know each other. I like that league, but outside of that, I'm dropping. I think all the rest of them. COVID in 2020 was not good for anyone who was looking to pare down their leagues yeah. and take yeah. on a more manageable level. Because when you're in your house and there's nothing to watch and there's nowhere to go, and you've talked about all the things you feel like talking about <laughs> with your spouse, and somebody offers yeah. you a draft, you're on that draft. Yeah, yeah I felt like I, I never drafting in March, and I have just now stopped. <laughs> I, I never run out of things I want to talk about with my spouse. Well, my spouse is never here, so you know, and that's only because Jackie's watching. That's why he says that. Listen to him. <laughs> no, so uh, you guys kind of talked about it, and Dennis mentioned it there with his Fournette trade and everything. So, how do you guys value picks and players? Because everybody values it differently. I. I'm gonna. I talk out of both sides of my mouth so bad with this, and I hate it because I will tell anybody who asks me for advice, take the proven player nine times out of ten. But then when people come to me, I'm always like, "Fuck, man! I want as many first round picks as I can get because I trust my scouting process, and I know I'm gonna get a bunch of studs in the first round. Or I'll take as many picks as I can get because I want to build a young core." So, how do you guys handle the the I, th- I guess kind of fine line between what a good pick is compared to when you want that veteran player. Not all at once. Fox, it's your turn. You go first. So I'm going to say uh, that's probably one of the things I've worked on the last few years with Dynasty. When I look at some of the teams that I you know drafted in 16, 17, or 18, the the years of picks that I gave up trying to get players I thought were going to be great puts you in a situation kind of almost like where the Rams are, where they have no picks to rebuild and you you were really close for one year and then the shelf fall, falls off of some of your veterans and you can't put in enough youth and then you kind of screwed yourself out of competitiveness. So I've tried to be a little bit more uh, of a moderate approach. I tend to uh, have trouble valuing my picks as high until we get closer to the draft. I'm just one of those people that it's harder for me to, you know, 
think about 2022 and who I might take wherever I land in the first round right now. Then when you get, you know, in that off season in March and April, when you're starting to think about actual people and who you might take in places, it, it helps me a little bit more. And I think that's why I tended when I was first learning dynasty to not really worry about it and throw, you know, the amount of startups where you see people just throwing away, two or three future first round picks so that they can get an extra 12th round pick in a startup. You know, now I, I look at that and I'm like, that's a horrible decision. But at the time you were like, I can get CJ Anderson. He's going to be my running back for 25 years. I'm going to crush some people. You know, oh, wow. I, I had one where I know I traded a first round pick so that I could back to back CJ Anderson and Jeremy Hill in 2016, which made a hell of a lot of sense that yeah. then oh, no. and now I look at, I actually named that team because it's, it's been in such bad shape. Um, the name of the city where Chernobyl was, I don't think anybody put it together. <laughs> but I was like, I got to rename this team. And I, I named it the city where Chernobyl sat because I, cause you know, you just, you do some of those things, and I think that's the hardest thing for people when they're going into Dynasty, especially coming off redraft, because you're used to prizing these veterans and these players, and you're seeing guys that 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 have names that, you know, if you were drafting in redraft, are going in, like, the, the third and fourth round that are dropping to the end, and you're like, yeah, I'll give you my future first. Who even knows who that jag is going to be, and, that, and then I can get this player, and then you realize later, oh. You know, it's you really. I think that's the thing. It takes a little while to get into a good mindset and to not hose yourself. Really quick, before someone else goes, I just want to mention the Saints are making a move on Jadavian Clowney. It's like all over Twitter right now. Is it? I just is it happening? That I saw that. I saw that there was. It says they're in the lead right now. Them and the Titans. Are they inviting him out on a date, or you think they're going to sign him? I don't know. Him? It's making uh, a move. Could be a lot of different making, things. I don't know. Maybe that's it's what Jadavian Clowney wants. Exactly. Gumbo <laughs> does a lot for some people. But all right, go ahead, uh, Tony Dennis. Picks, players, however you, whoever wants to go next. Tony. I can, I can talk out of both sides of my mouth, too, like you were saying. If I've got a stud player that demands first-round picks, I, al- I always want too many first-round picks. Um, at the same time, I also kind of don't value – I just don't value – I guess that's my I, – I don't value picks maybe high enough. Uh, maybe I just haven't learned the lesson that Fox has learned yet. I, for me, I want the proven guy. And when we talk about third and fourth and fifth round picks, I've got one league with five five rookies. I don't know if that's super super common. Um, it's a short league. It's a shallow league, though. Anyway, um, you know, fifth round pick does nothing for me. I, I that's to me that's just a guy. It's a free agent claim. It's a so then a fourth round pick has about the same value. A third round pick's where you start to get interesting. If, if you're going to include picks in the deal, I'll take it because it's currency that I can use right before draft day. And I like that. That's the part of picks that I like is I like to use them as currency to go get other players. Um, but yeah, and I understand too, the, the risk, like Fox was saying, of giving up too many. I always try to keep at least enough for a couple rounds just in case things don't work my way. But for the most part, I'm very open to selling those picks for players because I feel like, I mean, picks don't, picks don't score points. And that's just all it is to me. So, yeah, I, for me, it comes down to like when you ask the question, how do you value the picks versus the player? It depends a lot as to what time of year it is. So, in July, I'm not valuing the following year's picks at near the level I would be uh, in December. 
in December and January. We're we've just finished the season. We have an idea. We're we're starting to form a list of how good we think the the top five, 10, 15, 20 fantasy players coming into the league are gonna be. You know, two years ago it was, you know, I think it was just four or five. Last year it was like it was seven, eight, maybe nine deep. So if you had the 108, you felt pretty confident. You weren't going to get one of the top wide receivers or, or running backs. But if it was super flex, you could potentially at 109, you were looking at C.D. Lamb or J, uh, Jalen Rager versus 2018, where it, there was a definite drop off after like 104 or 105. You go back even a couple years before, uh, you know, the year Zeke came out, there was like a top tier of one and then a bunch yeah. of wide receivers that, yeah. you know, frankly should have probably been even a couple tiers lower based on how they've turned out. Uh, so I, I kind of, you know, I fall, in, I fall into this habit sometimes of here's what I'll pay for a guy, but I wouldn't accept less than this. So I might pay a second for a guy, but if you're trying to get him from me, I won't take less than a first. That's exactly so then we fall into yeah. it, it because it's maybe it's the I need to win the deal sometimes. I, I get the whole want wanting to save picks though, but if I'm in week 10, 11, 12, and I'm I know I'm either on the verge of making making a strong run, or I've lost somebody, I, I'm the first or second seed and I lost somebody key, man, I'll burn those fucking picks. Like it ain't nobody's business. <laughs> I'll get rid of them. I'll get players. I, I'll do. I, because if I'm close, I'm going for it. I'm not going to, there's, I'm not going to sit and wait. I, I, I made that, that very, I, I made a mistake last season because I was in love with a player. I finished third in the league, but I ended up, uh, I was I need I was a little thin at wide receiver. I I draft it was the first year of this league and I I started the league my my draft from I think the 10 spot 10 or 11 and I went Mixon, Chubb, Jones, Montgomery in, in this league. So my my running backs were were healthy, but I was weak at wide receiver. During the season, I traded Montgomery uh and a piece for Tyler Boyd. I ended up moving my first this past off season. I've traded away Chubb. Uh, but as we're making the playoff push, I've got Preston Williams, like my, my favorite guy last year sitting on my IR and I need a wide receiver. And somebody comes at me and they're like, Hey, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you Preston or I'll give you Devonte Parker and a, a third for Preston and a second. And I just couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger. And then after about three days of waiting, I wake up and I'm like, all right, I, I'm being stupid. I, I need to, I need another wide receiver. And as I, I look at my phone and the guy who won the league traded for Devontae oh, no. Parker wow. used him to win the league. That's brutal. But, you know, you're, I, you're bringing I, up uh, about, you know, if you're in contention in the middle, that's another reason not to be too cavalier about throwing your picks away. 
preseason. Yeah. Your your situation made me think of I'm in a 16 team, you know, seven starters league where I was second or third uh, record in the middle of the season, but I had a black hole basically at tight end. And I was able to use my first and get Mark Andrews, which I thought gave me a good chance to, you know, I knew if I continued with the team I had, I'd make the playoffs, but there was little or no chance I could get into the title game. But if I can, you know, so you're sacrificing a little bit going forward. But I, if I didn't, if I had thrown those picks away before the season, you don't have enough good assets without moving a player you need to actually make that piece to move up. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on that as well, just because, oh, hang on. One of so you guys a lot of times for, for me, I have to take a look at, at, at so it's, it, it can get hard to value picks when they're not associated with a player. And, and I struggle, that's probably my biggest struggle with picks is when I can't attach a name to them. That's like right job. now, looking at, Looking at next year's first, if you know, I can look at a list of players, but who knows how it's going to shake out. You know, a, a year ago, at this time, we weren't looking at Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Alaire as top picks, and we don't know where people are going to come from. This this year is going to be especially weird, but it becomes a little bit harder when I'm trying to value a pick if somebody's like well hey give me a second for jordan howard right now and i'm you know i'm on the jordan howard's gonna get 240 carries this season so he's gonna be a i I think i have him a low two high three you know i could really use something like that that's probably worth that that's definitely worth a second round pick but where let's see if i'm picking you know 201 versus 212 there's a lot of difference you know, this year was a super deep draft, and a couple times I got Brian Edwards at like two hundred nine, two ten, and I feel like I, I feel like at this time, I feel like in four months there's going to be people sitting around going, why why did I let Brian Edwards fall to him at the two ten when I could have taken him at the one ten and won my league, yeah. and. and you know, there's, there's no right or wrong, but ADP for rookie drafts seems to shift so dramatically. If you think about who was going in what spots, you know, immediately after the draft, the first week in May to where, to where people were going in July, you see a lot of settling and, and movement. And that's why those people that had rookie drafts early, that some people were hammering Keyshawn Vaughn at like 107 or 108 are hung out to dry right now. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it's exactly what what the two of you are saying. There's so much that changes in those picks all the way up to game one. I mean, being being drafted isn't enough. Like, they're going to sign somebody. They're going to claim somebody. They're going to not work out well in practice. I mean, there's just so many things that that just – I don't like the picks because of that. There's no consistency. There's no map. It's a little more of a gamble, and you can be educated. I mean, you can know that it hits on red more than it hits on black, I guess. It's not that – I don't mean to dilute it that far. It's not like you can't have an intelligent guess. But, I mean, you can be right until Leonard Fournette signs with Tampa Bay. I I mean, it's just – that's just the reality of it. 
to me, that's another thing if we were going to go back to the beauty of Dynasty. So, you know, you grabbed Keyshawn Vaughn. He's not going to give you a huge return in 2020. It doesn't mean it was a terrible pick. That's true. If you have the space and you can drop him down, you know, earlier in this offseason, uh, you know, did the league with Dennis. He asked why we didn't have a taxi squad. I had never played with him. I'm like, ah, I don't really care about that. Got a couple of those uh, thank you COVID uh, during And now I'm like, oh, that's why we want that. So we can just grab all those guys and yeah. put them somewhere. And if they end up not panning out, well, you let them go free to the wind later. And they didn't mess up your, your roster. I'm like, oh, it's like having the practice squad in the NFL. I got you. Hey, guys, I got to get out of here. Dinner's on the way right now, so I've got to disappear. Um, thanks for having me again. I'll see you next week. Yes, Pleasure one week of football. Yeah, one week. It'll be fo- – whoa, shit, it's going to be a football day. Yeah. yeah oh, my God. Buddy. I'm not going to promise to be in great condition, but I'll be here. Promise. <laughs> see you, guys. We can yeah. always boot you. You can boot me, definitely. Not going to be offended. Well, maybe a little well, I mean, offended. We can't. Matt can but just we can't. please don't boot me. Just tell me yeah. to stop. I'll, I'll be quiet. I'll sit here silently, but please don't boot me. See you right guys. Yeah. So I think while we're waiting for Matt, one of the questions he had put on there, since uh, neither you or I are ready to talk about campus to Canton, since we don't exactly know how it works, is uh, how long do you hold running backs? How long is too long? He put a, you know, he put in the question a little bit, some guys left holding for net. I wouldn't, if I was thinking about holding running backs too long, I don't know if I would necessarily leap to it having Fournette going into this season being too long, considering uh, that he is going into the fourth year, coming off what was a career year, uh, you know, 11.65 on the ground. He caught 76 passes for 5.22. You know, I think there was reasons people were bullish on him, uh, you know, aside from his team sucking, but I don't know if you have a different uh, opinion about those kind of things. Well, it, with running back, like I'm on sell Zeke this year. That's sort of where I am at. Um, but I'm also not on give Zeke away. You, you need to sell for value. I think with running backs, there, there's an elite few that you're going to get five, six years out of. Um, and then the rest of them, you're really looking at where – where can you maximize the value? Typically, like I, I'm not down on Keyshawn Vaughn any more than I was to begin with, but he he's a good he, he could he has the potential to be a decent NFL back. I don't think and and when you look at where he was drafted, I don't think the NFL believes that he is going to be uh, you know Christian McCaffrey or Zeke Elliott. I think that could he beat Chris Carson? Maybe. You know, Carson was a sixth round pick. Uh, I was pretty high on him. Um, but, did uh, did Tony? Tony had a Okay. Um, I was so I love Phil's comment about Derek Henry. Oh, gotcha. So um, we'll be removed if you want to prevent. Okay, cool. All right. So uh, I guess back on the pick thing, I got interrupted there and I apologize. I, I do think it's a very fine line because I, I think I kind of agree more with, with Matt on that. I'm, and again, maybe it's because I love college football so much and I pay so close attention to it. It's very hard for me to 
to move on from my picks. Like even when I am a contender, I try not to sell my picks, even if I feel like I'm close, because my other thing is, and I'm sure everybody's experienced this. There's been so many times that I've gone into the playoffs as either an undefeated team or by far the best team in the league. And then you get bounced the first week after your buyer, something like that. I think there's so much more, I don't want to say luck, but it's just, even if you're the best team, there's no guarantee you win it. So part of me is dynasty supposed to be for the now, but also for the future. So part of me does think that sacrificing your future for a shot, because there's no guarantee you're going to win it that year, isn't what I want to do. I have nothing against people who do that. I understand it because you are like, say, if you would have done the Devontae Parker trade, you're increasing your odds by doing that. So I do think that uh, I, I understand the thing, but for me, I, I'm a little af- – maybe it's afraid. I don't know. I'm a little afraid to pull the trigger when it comes to moving those buck, picks buck. because – because what's, what's up? Buck, buck? Uh, well, you know, I just I, I'm I'm a little bit I I, I I'd rather keep it because I, I want that that extra value because it goes back to the bark the the Zeke trade that I keep posting in our in our Discord because I want to do it I want to move on from them but it's just so hard to do because as I said like I think I put it in the chat I think he has the safest floor as a running back in the league with the amount of workload he's going to get and everything like you know even in his worst weeks I think. They, I can't remember what the stat was. I heard Jeff Ratcliffe talk about it. I want to say it's in like maybe five of the games he's played in his entire NFL career, he hasn't finished as a top 10 RB. I mean, that is ridiculous consistency right there. You can't say that for anybody else. I mean, everybody wants to think that with CMC. There was an actual point in time where CMC wasn't as good as he has been the past couple of years. So his floor is just so consistent that having that guy there, I think is good. But then part of me also looks at it as your, your trepidation. Yeah. mirrors a little bit why Dynasty is a format that more closely follows regular football. You have the the GMs that are like the teams in the NFL that are going to see the opportunity and they're going to take a big swing and sometimes they have a big miss and it doesn't result in a title, but they probably feel good about having a, a big swing. There are people like you that want to that are thinking about how am I staying competitive now and in the future? I don't want to you know, I don't want to take a huge risk that doesn't turn out in any reward and has huge consequences. That you know, if you look in the NFL, there's those teams that are perennially in the playoffs, perennially contenders, and sometimes they rise up and win a championship or go really far. Sometimes they're early outs in the playoffs, and then you have the teams that can never seem to make the right move or never stop shooting themselves in the foot. I think we all have that in dynasty leagues, and in some leagues, we've probably been that where it's like a series of comedy of errors, no matter what you think you're doing to try to get yourself into the playoffs, you're just flopping yourself down and kind of, you know, perpetually. And then there's some people that seem to be perpetually rebuilding. We were making jokes to that guy in one of our leagues that, you know, he sells off all of his players, gets picks, drafts all these high first rounders, then sells them all off for picks. It's like, you know, you're on what year seven of the perpetual rebuild. So I just think that is another way it allows you to play the style you feel comfortable. Yeah. I'm excited. Phil. Well, and you know what you can do. I'm excited for it. Go ahead, Dennis. when, when When you trade away your picks to make that run, the next step, whether you make it or not, is to then trade for picks. I, I, yeah. I did I think 14 or 13 or 14 rookie drafts this year. And I don't think my first round pick was my first round pick in any of them. So 
and only I, I want to say only like three of them did I not have a first round pick. So, yeah, I, I get you want to you know, having those picks helps you to reload or or to foster that rebuild. But you also have to be really honest when you're in week seven, week eight, week nine, as to how your team is contending. Like in the private Dicks league a couple years ago, I started off like one in three. And then I was like, all right, Chief Wiggum, it's time to shit or get off the pot. And so I made a bunch of moves and I kind of sacrificed everything and I went for it and I went on a run and I literally missed the playoffs on the last game on Monday night football. I, I, I missed the playoffs. But and my team ended up being so the next season, it's a 16 team league. The next season w- was pretty rough for me. I think I went like five and 11 or five and uh, what would it be, eight. And, and so I, I didn't do great. But then last season, I was a little bit better. Uh, and I had some picks now because I didn't, I traded away the immediate next year. I didn't trade away like two and three years down the road. Right. Uh, and now I'm starting a rebuild. And and but I also made some moves with players. I traded away Zeke. I traded away Amari Cooper. You know, I ended up moving on from young quarterbacks to older quarterbacks while I go through this transition. And then last season I drafted Daniel Jones. And and so I'm I'm starting to make I, you know, I went from I'm going for it to my team is completely falling apart. I'm making moves, I'm building it back up. I don't I, I feel fairly good about being competitive this year. Uh, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready this year to sell the farm to make a run because I feel like it's probably next year. If things go my way and, and all of a sudden I'm like three seed or something, then I might go for it. But as of right now, I think I'm on the verge of playoffs. But he, and even in a 16 team, though, I only we only do six playoff teams in that league. Yeah, I just – I don't know. For me, it's – I get that you can reacquire picks later, but it's not – I just – I don't know. It's not always, I think, what you want from it. Like, again, so I'll just use that – my my team that I've been talking about. Like, right now, my, my running back core is, is Barkley, Chubb, Zeke. That's really it, which, I mean, it sounds great when you say that, but – I had that same core last year. Barkley got hurt. Bo, I mean, Chubb was phenomenal, but Zeke kind of didn't necessarily underperform, but didn't perform where I wanted him to. And I had no depth behind them. I have none whatsoever. I have two first-round picks in this year's draft because I traded away uh, my one last year because the guy really wanted T. Higgins. So I was like, you know what? I'll give give me your first next year, and I'll just I'll back out of the first round because I, which I was going to argue with Tony with the third, fourth-round picks. I got Brian Edwards in a couple fourth rounds in my in my rookie draft, so it's not always a bad pick. But you do every once in a while. It's not going to every. It's year. more lottery ticket pick. Yeah, so well, yeah, say, you're would not be gonna, the way to phrase it. You're not going to get a Brian Edwards every year, but some years you're going to get a guy who could end up being a stud in the fourth right guy. You know, Philip Lindsay, the year that he came out, he was a guy I grabbed. He him was in everywhere. Yeah, I, well, I grabbed him ever because I, I loved him. But I remember even the year David Johnson came out. I remember a lot of rookie drafts that I was in. He was going in like the middle third. Like he wasn't a guy a lot of people were talking about. So 
for me, I just I, I don't want to try and reacquire picks because then I feel like at times you might sell you might have to end up selling more than you want to to reacquire those picks. Where if you already have a good team, again, my thing is looking at it. If I move Zeke and say I, like I'm trying to move him for like a Jonathan Taylor and something kind of thing, or a J.K. Dobbins and something. So like Matt, Matt, you said in the chat earlier, like I'm sacrificing a little bit of the now, but I'm also securing my future. Like I don't think that's a bad move. Again, it just depends on what Zeke does. You're sacrificing the now, but you might build yourself up for the future. But I, I agree. Well, that's if you get Taylor in there first, you may not even be sacrificing 2020. The one you well, floated was so, Dobbs. Right? Well, no, I think most people think he's at least going to – like Dobbins, I, I get the the, yeah. the appeal there. I don't think he's going to be great this year. But once Ingram's gone, I think there's, there's a, a huge ceiling potential yeah. there. But that's where I was saying – that's one where you're getting another first round pick and you're getting a guy who next year, as soon as next year could be really great. Yeah, but yeah. in the interim, you know, you're going to take a hit if there's an injury or a week, you can't play your guys. Well, it's a good thing that I have three wide receivers that can look up for that, but that, that's kind of where it is. And I agree. It does kind of come down to your person. And as you can see, like all three of us kind of handle things a little bit. I think that's also what makes dynasty as fun as it is because you have 12 people and none of them, I think, really run their teams the exact same way. So that's what makes it fun. But Dennis, you were kind of just talking about going uh, all in on a rebuild on your, your private Dick's League there. So where is it for you guys that you kind of hit that point? Because for me, I almost have to completely bottom out before I'm like, all right, like clearly my team is, it's one in 12. We got to We got to turn this ship around. Like, I know a lot of people who, when they say they'd rather be at the top or the bottom, so if they're sitting in the middle, they're either going all in or they're going to to go all out to be last. Like I, I don't necessarily believe in that because, like Dennis, I'll use DQL because that's the longest one we've been in together. Like just a couple years ago, that was me. I was sitting at six. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sell off. I'm just kind of wait and see what happens. And then I built my team back up into a playoff team. I think I have a shot to compete this year. So. I don't think if you're in the middle, you have to sell a lot to go either way. Sometimes it's just one of those things where you know you might have to bite the bullet and be, okay, I'm going to be mediocre for a year or two, and then I might be able to build in. So so how do you guys kind of handle that being in the middle of the pack? Well, in the middle of the pack, it, so DQL, DQL, for instance, uh, I finished, I think I was the seventh seed last year, so I didn't make the playoffs. Uh, somebody was ahead of me in the sell-off. So I, in the, I, I'm not waiting until I go 2-11 and 11 to start my rebuild. If, it, if I'm 2-11, and 11, I, I'm, unless I had a rash of injuries to really good guys, I, I'm, already, I, I'm already out of it. I don't have assets to trade. If I'm 6-7, and seven, I likely have some assets to trade. Uh, I, you just got to be ahead of the other players in your league that are trying to use that same strategy. So I'm, I, I went ahead and I started to sell off in DQL uh, to the point where I think Darrington Evans is one of my uh, running backs. I'm, I'm going to be starting this year. So let's see that team. Uh, yeah. Well, I currently have Kenyon Drake who I've been trying to move and I just can't seem to get bites on. I have some good young wide receivers. I have Williams, Darius Slayton. I drafted Jalen Rager and, and T. Higgins. Uh, but I, I don't I, – I, 
I don't want to hold on to those type of guys, the uh, Mark Ingrams, the Kenyon Drakes, the Tyler Higbees, Carson Wentz. Maybe Wentz, if I, I'm not sure if I believe in him or not. But I want to start to move those guys that have value to get either a young stud or to get a uh, high pick. And if I'm, like I said, if I'm 2-11, and 11, I'm probably starting, you know, Case Keenum at quarterback and, and, and you know, stuff like that. And, and you're not – if my best wide receiver is a wide receiver 76, I, I don't have assets to sell to try for the rebuild. I literally have to wait and not trade away my draft picks and then hope I draft good people and then let them start to develop and then trade them to get – multiple draft picks to go with the draft picks I have. So waiting until you're one in 12 or two and 11, I think that makes the rebuild process take three or four years versus starting it when you're six and seven and you have assets to trade, then you can do it in one or two years. Matt, do you have anything you want to add on there? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little more like you. I'm the worst at I, I it's not in me to give up. You know, and I've been a few times, you know, it's uh last year sort of cracked me up because I had one team that finally I had struggled for a couple of years and I was like, this is beyond trash ridiculous. And I finally started selling people off and collecting first. And then uh and my first were twenty twenty first, you know, a couple of years out. So I, I had a couple of picks in, in 19 and last year, that team, which I thought sucked roster-wise, and I was looking forward to having my three first-round picks, I bounced up and finished second, and the guys who had traded me their picks, who I thought were going to be late, both bottomed out. So I had nice. picks two, three, and ten, and those guys were so pissed off. So sometimes, you know, I can't even rebuild or, you know, bottom out correctly. But I have a hard time, too, because, you know, the that – team that I mentioned that I named after the city where Chernobyl, I actually a couple of years ago tried to, to bottom out, but my best asset was Bell, who of course held out. Uh, that Le'Veon Bell boned me in so many places. <laughs> because you know, I didn't want to get dump him during the year he was held out because you couldn't get what I thought was going to be the potential value. And then the Jets experience was, you know, you know, when he signed with the Jets, People really wanted to lowball you, and I'm like, "Well, I'll wait and let him, let him do well." And if you miss on a few of the picks, uh, you know, it's almost in the same boat as Dennis is talking about. If you end up two and eleven, it can be three or four years. If you try to sell off assets and the picks you get don't hit, you know, like uh, I, I shed some assets, I traded Adam Thiel, and I traded some pieces on that team. And I made some picks that will probably be better for me this year. But, like, Paris Campbell was one of my first-round picks. I didn't – he wasn't playable in 2019. So not only did I trade my starter and not really have any depth, the rookies that I had, I couldn't get rid of them. I needed to hold them on my roster, but I also couldn't play them. And I ended up – I think there was one week when I played three tight ends, and I thought this is this is the end. That's when I renamed it for Chernobyl. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it's, it's an interesting thing, I think. Phil was the one who said it earlier. It's the it's the different personalities, I think, that make it all worth it. We've kind of covered all those. I do want to get 
into a little bit of campus to Canton here before we get out of here. So we're at an hour and I ate up about 10 minutes dealing with my issue over here. So, all right. So campus to Canton is, um, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's a form of Debbie. It's the deepest form of dynasty football that I have been in, uh, where you draft literally an entire college football team. You play college football fantasy as well as moving on to, uh, that once, once those players move on to the NFL, they automatically join your team. So you can a player from when they're a freshman in college, all the way through till they go into the hall of fame. That's why it's called campus to Canton. Uh, you know, well, I'm in one now, most of them are right around 40 to 45 rounds on the college side. And then they're 30 to 35 rounds on the NFL side. So it's, it's very so you have like 75 players on your team. Yeah. So how it works with, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to draft 45 juniors and seniors, so you're not yeah. going to have all 45 go up that year. And how it works in the ones I'm in is you have an unlimited taxi squad, but that's only a year thing. So like, say you have one year where you just went very heavy on upper, upperclassmen for whatever reason. If say you have 20 to 30 guys come out and, and they join your NFL team, you can leave them on your taxi squad for a year. But then once that year's up, they all move up. And then you obviously have to make your cut downs because the roster limits 35. So you may have 50 at one point. You got to get down to 30, which I still think is semi easy because you're also going to have a lot of guys that don't make it. You know, not every guy you draft is going to make it like I, I'm drafting a guy who's playing tonight running back for, for UAB. He's not going to be an NFL running back. He's a great college kid but not going to be an NFL running back. But it, it, for me, it's it's the deepest form of fantasy. I think it's a lot of fun. Again, I, I'm very much into it because I love the college side of things. It's fun to kind of draft these guys and, and see the way uh, the way that they go, in, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, go into the NFL. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Again, it, it's interesting, too, that you have to play the college side of it as well. So it's not like a Debbie league like we're in, Matt, where those, yeah. those college guys are just sitting pretty much on your taxi squad not doing anything until they come up into your NFL team, you actually play the college side of it as well. So you're trying to win a national championship as well as win, you know, so your you like championship. Two, two rosters or two. Yeah. So the, there's only two sites that do college football right now. One's fan tracks or I, Yahoo. I don't think is doing it this year, but they were one. So most people though do their college fantasy stuff on fan tracks. So like right now, <laughs> Thank you, Phil, if you're still watching. I just got a DM from him. Um, he, I won't go into it. It addresses my my good looks, so I appreciate it, buddy. Um, the uh, Now I'm all messed up. I don't even know what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, a fan track. So everybody, most people play theirs on fan tracks because it's easier. It, it's very much like, I know you don't like the site, Matt, MFL, with the customization and everything you can do with it. It's free, though. That's well, the difference. So if you were trying to do what you're talking about, I, yes. I get that MFL has features that I mean, and I will admit that when you gave me the, Use the other app, the yeah. other app, I actually could figure out where to get things. That first yeah. app made me want to flush my uh, phone in the toilet. I understand. That's why I always tell everyone, like every time, because all I have so many, I think I have probably 30 of my 50 leagues on MFL. And every time I get new ones up and people ask me, like, dude, how do you do this? I'm like, let me guess. You're using this app. Don't use that one. Use this one. Because, yeah. And I actually feel bad because if you're an Android user, you only get that other one. You can't get the one that I like using. So, yeah, it's that app is a whole lot better. But yeah, fan tracks, it's 
So you set your lineup every single week, and it's a. Uh, they're almost all of them that I'm in are super flex because again, you've got 130 colleges with quarterbacks. I mean, you you can easily fill up a super flex, which also I think though means super flex is probably becoming the standard. In it is in almost every startup I did yeah. this year is super it's flex. Super flex. In fact, yeah. if you said you were one QB, people were like, "No, nah, I don't really want to play it." And yeah. I get that super flex. How I came in, I have always had a yeah. thing for two quarterback leagues. Well, see, that's what I think is going to be because I, I I've been saying this now. I think we've talked about it before. I do think that Campus to Canton is going to be the new super flex, which is the way and how deep it is and the things you can do it. Like I remember a couple of years ago because I was one of those where all these people started playing super flex. Like, hey, it's like now do I want to get it with two quarterbacks? Man, twelve of them starting every week. <laughs> How does that even work? What happens if I don't get a third quarterback? Now I'm the same way. I'm like, like my home league is one of my only ones that's one quarterback outside a couple of redrafts. And I, I like it because we've been in that league for so long and I have some dinosaurs in there that refuse to change any rules. And it just is what it is at this point. I'm getting tired of arguing with them. But yeah, most of my other ones are six or uh, six, super flex and, and I enjoy it. And it's the same way with that. But it's a lot of fun. The, the one that we're in now. Yeah, I know, Phil. I'm disappointed in myself with that. I said I was not going to add anymore, and I just kept doing oh, it. Oh, I thought you were disappointed because you're only at 50. I, no, no. <laughs> I, we're, we're in another league together that was going to be roughly your 40th league that I purposely yeah. didn't tell you about because <laughs> yeah, I felt like true. you didn't need to add any more leagues. And then finally I was like, okay, as my co-host and partner – I feel like I feel obligated to see if you want to join this league. He's, sure, man, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's my problem. Cause I, like, no, no joke. I was literally sitting at 48 this morning. No, yesterday, yeah. Wednesday morning. I was sitting at 48 and I show up to work and one of my good friends, uh, known him a long time, he's in a bunch of dynasty leagues with me. He came and was like, hey, man. My family's got these two redraft leagues going on. We had a couple openings. You want to jump in? 50 bucks, you know, nice and easy. One of them is the league, and I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? What's the draft going on? And I'm just like, no, wait, say no. Say no. I just I so can't say no. I think I- we figured out how you're paying for your air conditioner. When things break right and oh, God, I hope so. set the world on fire, that $12,000 so. is going to be there. It's gonna be the fastest week this year when 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 Baker and Chubb come through. Baker, Chubb, and Odell come through for me in like forty of my fifty leagues. Yes, it's it's gonna happen. It's not gonna realize what happened. They're gonna be like, "How does this Bruning guy have eleven thousand dollars?" Exactly. Fantasy football. That's how. No, I um. I do want to because, like I said, this campus to Canton is it's so deep. Like we were talking about it the other day, I think off air. Like this new one that I'm in with the recruiting. Like we actually have to go through and submit recruiting points on high school players, and it's a whole thing. Like I still haven't done mine, and, and I'm one of the commissions, which is not good. I need to go in there and do my but like we actually have to go in. You get bonus points for all different stuff. So it, it's a very interesting format. I, I need to get you guys into one because it is extremely fun in my opinion. But I do think just do that. This will be the new one that I just did the program. That'll be my fourth campus to Canton one this year. And those are so much work that I know I have to cut down because I can't there's just no there's Flash no way. There's no August way. 2021 Matt how many leagues you 75 and even I was gonna say 75 too. <laughs> I, I was at 71 and I just felt like it needed yeah. to be a round number. Well I, I do want to cut it down too because 
you're talking about these campus leagues and stuff, and, and it just sounds like so much work, man. I mean, it, it, it's, super flex. That didn't sound like a lot of work. 75, it is and it ro- 75 player rosters. Yeah, I just as soon have three teams. It's it's. I feel it like is. it's. Well, how many, how many, how many are you? Wait, how many are you sitting on? We forgot to ask Tony, but how many I'm, are you? Sitting I'm on? only at twenty two because I've got restraint. I'm a grown up. I try. You apparently are the only one here that has. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Matt used to be right there with you, and then all of a sudden, as he said, COVID hit this year. I know. So forty. Thirty-nine, and it's only because one of them just fell apart here at the end. Yeah, I know. See, that's the other thing I was saying. There was like three, three of my flea flickers just fell apart this year. Otherwise, I'd be in more than fifty. Because that's the like I keep forgetting people. Like, hey, you gonna. I'm like, oh shit, man! I, I forgot I this like league even existed. The, uh, the next prop bet for the Discord over under 75 teams from Matt. It's Brooklyn. not gonna happen. No, I, I'm, I'm cutting down to 30 next year, at least, at least 30. I've got, to, I've got to. It's just so hard because, like, I'm in so many MFL, and that's the other thing. You guys know in dynasty leagues, especially the ones as deep as some of us are in. There's really not much else to do besides trade and set your lineup because you're not going to find much on the waiver wire. So. For no. me, it doesn't no, feel like much work. Draft. Well, yeah, but I'm there for the rookie drafts. I love that part of the year. I'm like, let's go. All right, who am I getting this year? But outside of that, like, there's not much you can do no. on the waiver wire. So it is just going in and setting my lineup, looking at my injuries of people. My biggest problem with them is, I think, and that it's what kind of goes with what Tony was saying earlier with the stagnant owners is, I don't go looking for trades in some of those leagues because I'm not paying that close attention. So if uh, if someone comes to me i'm looking at the trades but don't bet the over bet the under bet the under it's not gonna happen Bell, not going 75 <laughs> but uh Some, somebody messaged me on the show twitter and asked if we wanted to do this league and i was like i appreciate the offer but between the three of us we're in a, over 100 leagues we're gonna have to pass yeah. Wait, what kind of to my way i probably would have said <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you don't speak for us <laughs> Not until next year. And you guys don't log into it. Because, well, I, I don't think you've ever sent it to me. I have no, no I idea we, what it is. I didn't know you thought we could log into it. I have I have the, the my Cleveland Brown show on there. That's it. I'd add it on there. I don't know what it is. I mean, no, I'm not on Twitter enough like as it is to begin with. Since I created that one, and that's when I sent it to you guys. So oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. I, I forgot. Maybe it happened to me yesterday. So, ago. yeah, I'll make it my mission to find it. I won't because you created that a long time ago. That's gonna be way too much. Way too much going back through the archives between all the stuff we've talked about to go find it. So. If you can refine it and send it to me, I'd appreciate it. I might log in like once a month because I just don't get on Twitter enough. Kind of my, I think one of my issues. But yeah, I mean, if anybody has any questions about campuses, can reach out. I know Stoops is in a bunch as well. I think Ricky's in two. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's it's worth the uh, it's worth the investment, if, especially if you like college football as much as as much as I do. It, it can be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not even lie. There's players that I'm drafting in some of these. I'm like. I don't even know who that is, but you're you you score a lot of points, so let's go. But you're, you're high it's, on the it's depth chart, a lot of fun. So. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you said Stoops isn't it with you? Yeah, 
Yeah, he's in the like program with me. Is Ricky too, or just, just... Uh, Ricky bailed because he said it was going to be too much work, and he had so too much other stuff like going on. Mid season, we should do a check in, maybe see if Stoops is available. Because I am curious. Like, I'm not. You know, there's probably a lot of people out there. Even agreeing to do the Debbie. Even agreeing to do the Debbie League with me taking the first dive because I'm the one thing that I'm. I hope my wife never hears this. But I'm grateful about for COVID <laughs> is uh, the the new shows are not coming back. So yeah. you know, I used to be told I could I could pick one sport and only like one version of one sport that I could watch all the time, and then the other ones could sneak in. But I've noticed like the standings on basketball seem to have flexed a little bit since there's actually no TV shows that I'm interrupting for her. So as long as I put it on mute and she doesn't hear the squeaking shoes, I can watch basketball. <laughs> I feel like college football, you know, this is going to be this is going to be my magnum opus. There's well, only here. like one good movie a month in the theater we could see. There's only going to be like two shows I can watch during the week, so it's going to be football every day, and I'll actually be able to track it. All. I, I will tell you this: be careful because last year I got into five Debbie leagues, and I was like, you know what? Same thing. As much as I love college football, campuses can't sounds like way too much work, and then here we are. Well, I don't. Here I know it sounds like work. I'm not actually afraid of. of well, I know that's what makes it. I fun. just don't think that I know enough to to not suck, and I would like that's to right. see what the process is like and to learn some more. That's what I, I like. When you were talking about, you were just going to talk about this, and you didn't know if we care. I care deeply to know about it because I'm fascinated by it. I just well, don't think I'm good at it. At this I'll put point. it to you like this, and, and where I think the work comes in on it is is it's not not an NFL draft where you could probably go – I mean, you're still probably drafting players in the 15th, 16th round that have some upside or or can do something for your team, right, in the NFL. Like, you know, hey, I could, like Deshaun Jackson, I think his ADP is like the 15th round. Like, he could still do something for you this year. In Cavs to Canton Leagues, I'm going to be honest with you, after you get out of, like, maybe the 15th round – yeah, I, if that, your draft, it's just, okay, let's see if this dude does anything. Because even with, even now, you talk about rookie drafts. We just talked about it earlier. You get into the fourth round of your rookie draft, and like, uh, I mean, like, are these guys going to pan out? And that's and that's where you're obviously pulling that pull from for college. So it, it, makes, it, it makes it interesting because you end up with all these guys and you don't know what's going to happen. Where you're right now at the level where you're just picking guys off these teams to see what might happen. I'm at the level where you said UAB, and I had to think for three minutes, oh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Have I ever seen them play? Do I know if they have a football team? They're playing tonight. You should watch because it's going to be a good game. That's why I need a little more research to even make those dart throws. See, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It, It. if you really want to, and I understand it's not for everybody. Again, I, I've, I've admitted many times on this podcast, I am lucky enough that my significant other works nights, so I get to do whatever I want with my time all night long, which is football and writing. So it, it works out for me. Not everybody is that lucky, and I'm lucky enough that she works Saturdays, so go me on Saturdays as well to at least 1 o'clock in the afternoon do whatever I want. It, it's... It does make you, in my opinion, a better analyst because you're like, there's a guy in playing on UAB tonight that I guarantee you almost nobody is talking about, and their wide receiver Austin Watkins, who I think has a shot to be a really good NFL player. 
And in Campus to Canton Leagues, you already know that. And so you're looking at that. And even if you're not in a Campus to Canton League, you know, it's stuff like watching college football as much, which I know you talked about possibly doing now, especially being in the Debbie side. Like, you get to learn a little bit more about these guys. That's why I was so high on Brian Edwards, and I was thrilled to get him late. Now, in leagues that I'm in with, like, some of the other guys, like Dennis, uh, some of the leagues me and you were in together – you know you're not getting Brian Edwards in the fourth, but in like your home leagues and stuff like that, it's getting those guys late that I think is what makes at least for me the college, the the campus to Canton stuff and and Debbie League so much more fun. But oh, and that's why I'm grateful to be in a, in that group chat with you and Ricky and Stoops because yeah. uh, you can just soak in some of that. You know, I listen to their show and take notes every week. I've been watching there you their go. stuff. So. You know, and then we'll start taking the players you like. You know, if we it worked well in regular NFL fantasy drafts, taking all the players you liked right before you, now we can start some more college ones and do the same thing, you know? She does make good coin. The problem is she doesn't – I take that back. She found out like two weeks ago <laughs> how many leagues I was in. And I'll just put it to you this way. She wasn't laughing like Matt just was. It was a little bit more of a you're in how many? And so how much money did you put in? I was like, look, see, the money I get from Dynasty Nerds from writing is what funds all of this. I don't pull money out of our account. She's like, but how much money is it? I'm like, let's not focus on the money part of it. Let's just focus on your husband is having so, a good time. See, Dennis, you were wrong earlier. He's not writing the articles to replace the air conditioning coil. No, yeah, it's, it's the fund my Exactly, yes. That's what it's funding right now. Though it's going to have to turn so toward the air conditioning here soon. My my trick is that my wife will be like, hey, what's what's going on? How how many leagues? And I get on PayPal and I PayPal her some money into her bank account. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky enough that when, obviously we get compensated, in my opinion, fairly good for what we do, especially if you're able to produce content for Dynasty Nerds. So when I get paid for it, same thing. It goes into my PayPal, and then I just keep that alone all year long. And then when buy-in time comes, I'm just like, hey, you need what, what's, it, what's your PayPal? I'll send it to you right now, and then good to go. Right. Yeah, this is a very good statement. I don't even, I don't even know my kids' thing. names anymore. I, I, I put them over there next to their stuff. Like, do your homework. Here's your tablet and then football. I don't even know what's going on. We, we were at my father-in-law's a few weeks ago, and my wife was talking about these shoes she used to love. And I sat there listening to her talk about them. And I went online, and I ordered them. And they came to the house, her favorite shoes. She's like, they came, and she's like, where did these come from? I'm like, surprise. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all over the rest of what we do. <laughs> yeah, I see. Again, I'm lucky that I don't want to say I don't have to do that. I still do things for my wife because she does put up with me, especially when Sundays roll around and I'm throwing shit and cursing loudly when the Browns are on TV because uh, they're, you know, they're never making me happy, unfortunately. Which another thing I will say, if any of you ladies out there still listening, you, you need a good boyfriend or husband, date yourself a Browns fan because we're loyal as fuck to a really bad team. And if we're loyal as fuck to a team like that, we'll be loyal to you. That, that's my PSA for the day. But all right, we're, we're sitting at about 130 minutes, so I guess we should get out of here. We'll be back on Monday. We're supposed to have a special guest with us, but they have not replied back to me yet, so I don't know if they're actually going to come on now or not. But if not, we'll figure out something to talk about. And then obviously I think – 
It's game week, baby. It is game week. So we might do a Tuesday show. I don't know. I just kind of threw that out there. I haven't talked to them about it yet, but we'll at least have two shows for sure next week because we will, or three shows, because I want to do that. We'll have a Friday show next week to actually break down week one and break down the Thursday night game. So looking forward to next week, we will have college football on this weekend as well. If you guys want to dive into it, we got a bunch of good games. You can check out my article that I, I just, uh, sent to Dennis yesterday because I was procrastinating a little bit too long and got that done. So there's a bunch of good games on this weekend, including tonight with UAB. Got one on Friday, a couple good games on Saturday, and a good one on Monday as well to kind of lead us in uh, to the NFL week starting. So cannot wait. I don't know wait. if I can commit to that since uh, Ricky and Kenzie started that OC podcast. I've done 10 episodes in two days. I think I have a problem. Oh, I don't <laughs> even know what the OC is. What's OC? It's a teen soap opera that ran from 2003 to 2007. Speaking of TV shows, ended on this. You see Mandalorian's coming back October 30th. I know. Season we can't two. wait. Happy Halloween to us. I know. I cannot wait. The better thing is I have off that entire week, so yeah. I cannot wait. for. Well, I, mean, I guess it doesn't matter. It's only going to get the one episode, but I'll watch it like two times just to, right. just to make it worth it. We'll have Mandalorian Corner in here somewhere every week. We need to. We need to figure it out. We it, that'll help soften the blow in case things go bad. We can start with Mandalorian Corner no, and then go into the game. Things are going to be great this year. The Browns are making the playoffs. I, I have faith. At least all, through all three of our teams might make the playoffs. That's what we think right now. I hope at least so. Some of us. Think. I do hope so. But everybody, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your air conditioning. As me and Dennison found out, that's very important in your lives and, and, and everything else. And we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.